You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Paranormal Encounters episode 14. We've got Tammy from Louisville. going to be on a little later today as our special guest. Good. And uh, she's got some really cool heartwarming stories. The kind of stories that we like that involve lost loved ones coming back to help. Okay, good. I'm going to start off with a military story that goes back quite a ways. Laughter and idle prattle were coming from the dining room. A three-year-old blonde girl was under the cherry dining room table, chattering presumably to the doll that she was playing with. Her mother peeked into the room to make sure everything was all right, and then went on with the house cleaning. So time passed, and now the five-year-old girl was looking at an old family picture album with her mother, and she pointed to the picture of a military man and said, That is my friend. He plays games with me and sings to me at night. Her mother was surprised and she gasped. He has fun, shiny things all over his jacket, continued the child. Aww. Air Force 2nd Lieutenant Bill Jacobson had impacted wisdom teeth. He didn't have to go on the mission that fateful day, October 14, 1944. However, feeling he had to go for his crew, he climbed into the pilot seat of the B-24 bomber. The young pilot vowed to his wife before he left that he would always look out for her. Two hours later, over Yugoslavia, the B-24 was shot out of the sky by anti-aircraft fire. As the crew descended through the clouds and into the parachutes, the Germans shot at them and Bill was killed. Aww. The surviving crew members were captured and spent the remaining time of the war in the German prisoner of war camp. When Bill died, he was listed as missing in action. Eventually, his serviceman group life insurance went into effect and his widow received $55 a month until his $10,000 life insurance was paid out. The benefit was a pittance for the life of a husband. Eventually, the wife remarried, but the marriage ended in divorce. The second marriage produced a daughter, the blonde child, who was me, of course. Could I indeed have been sung to and entertained by an Air Force pilot killed in World War II? This story was part of our family's oral history until 1985. As the years progressed, Mother started having financial problems. Because of ill health, she stopped working and was living with me. At the time, I was a captain in the Air Force Reserves. One day, I noticed a brief item in the U.S. News & World Report. Widows of servicemen killed on active duty who remarried and divorced are eligible for death indemnity compensation from the Veterans Administration. Sorry. Hey, Mom, look at this, I said excitedly. Mother read the blurb. Oh, World War II was so long ago, that cannot possibly apply to me. Anyhow, the Veterans Administration said Bill's records were destroyed, so I couldn't document his service anyway. After much cajoling, I talked to my mother into going down to the VA office and filing for the benefit. 
When Mother received compensation months later, she and I both wondered if Bill Jacobson had somehow put that blurb in the magazine from Beyond the Grave. I am not knowingly sung to anymore by the deceased B-24 bomber, but during my pinning ceremony to Colonel, I thought to myself, he vowed to take care of my mother. I wonder if he is here. I saluted as the Air Force song played in the background. That's from Colonel Laura L. Smith from Savannah, Georgia. Oh, what a wonderful story. I liked it. You know, that is kind of surprising that even though she's married twice, I mean, or I mean, married again, that yeah. she could get those benefits. Yeah. That's I, mean, I don't bless- know how all the all military benefits and stuff work. Oh, I don't either, but what a blessing that is. Yeah, you would think after she got remarried that maybe that yeah. would stop, but. Aw. Hmm. He did take care of her. That's such a sweet story. Aww. Yes, it is. What you got? Finders keepers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One quiet afternoon in January this year, my friend Karen and I were playing with our Ouija board, as we often do just for fun. As we sat thinking of what questions we might ask, the planchette, the guiding table on which one's fingers are placed in using the board, started to move, giving giving us its own message. We were a little scared at first, but as it started spelling out the message, we became too involved to be frightened. Our communicator called herself Meg, saying she was 19 years old and that she had died in the year of 1850, having lived in the Midwest. The message transmitted to us was this, Go and light the light in the attic. Go in front of the house, face the window, stand under the flag, pull the board under the board, you will find something lost 42 years ago. That's I have, very specific. I know it. I have lit, I'm impressed she's got such a good memory. Dang. I have lived in this Cleveland house for four years, but have never had any reason for to go in the attic. I've had nothing to store there, so I didn't even know there was a flag. Excited by this time, we followed the instructions in the message. When we lifted the board in the musty attic's floor, we found a fifth of whiskey wrapped up in a (laughs) newspaper dated December 21st, 1924. That made the bottle 42 years old. Our friends used to laugh at us when we claimed to contact spirits through the Ouija board, but now they believe us. We have saved both the paper and the bottle to prove we received a message from another world. Well, how cool is that? That's really cool. That's from Sandra in Cleveland, Ohio. I wonder if the person who left the message was the person who put the bottle there. I bet. I bet. She was probably underage <laughs> and sneaking <laughs> a sip of whiskey. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, in the 20s, that would have been during Prohibition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably, I think I don't. I don't remember exactly what the years was, but that's, the prohibition was in the twenties, so that might have been why it was hidden in the attic. It was against the law to have it. Would that be the most awesome thing ever for somebody to come in and tell you specifically where to go look and to find such a a cherished thing? I told you, my mom used to be able to do that when when uh, my buddy Cleo came over to the house mm-hmm. and he was missing something, and my mom spread his palm and said. If you go to your, and she'd never been to his house, if you go to your house in that front room, there's a closet that's, uh, you know, like a, like we have here that's for putting your coats, a coat closet. And she said, if you look up on the top shelf, which, how is she going to know it even had a top shelf? Yeah. Or but so if you look up on the top shelf, it's in this hat box or something. Oh my gosh. And he, he said he'd already looked there, but he went home and looked anyway, and there it was. <gasps> exactly where she told him, and she'd never even been to his house. 
That is amazing. That is、so. amazing. Oh, look <laughs> at your mom. That's awesome. All right. Let's listen to Tammy's story. She's got some, then her stories fit right in. Okay. With like the first story that I told. Okay,、so、great.、Perfect. All right. Hey guys, I've got a young lady on the phone that I've had the privilege to meet a couple of times. Got to meet her at one of the live events in、uh, Louisville last year and got to meet her and, and actually spent a、uh, decent amount of time because we stayed in the same hotel in Point Pleasant. This is Tammy from Louisville. Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited to have you on. And you've got one of those stories. Tammy, that's one of the heartwarming stories that, I, that are my favorites on here. I love the spooky stories too, but I love the ones that tug at the heartstrings. You're going to tell us a little bit of a story that involves your, your mother, who unfortunately had passed on,、uh, and your son. So I'm just going to turn the microphone over to you and let you tell it your way. Okay, thanks. I was really best friends with my mom. I mean, we went everywhere together, we did everything together. We We're just like twins. You know, we traveled together every. And she was diagnosed with a highly curable cancer, uterine cancer, but it had gone too far and had had eight through her uterine wall. So it, it was terminal at that point. I had decided because, you know, they wanted to call in hospice and put her in a hospice facility. And I just did not want that. I wanted her to be taken care of the way that she had taken care of everybody in her whole life, you know, one on one. Expert care. And I said, you know, I'm going to take off from my job. I'm going to take care of her until she draws her last breath. So we brought her home to my childhood home where I grew up. She was just getting weaker and weaker. And, you know, she, she would tell me things from time to time. It's like she could almost see into the future, you know, which was odd. And we just thought maybe it was the drugs, maybe it was the cancer taking over. Some of those things came to fruition. Some of them still have not. Come to fruition. But anyhow, I just knew the morning that I got up, the morning she passed, I knew that she was going to pass. I just had a feeling. And unfortunately, I get those feelings about everybody that's close to me and my family. It's not a good trait to have, but it's just, I have it. I had called my brother who lives out of town and I told him, I said, you know, you need to make plans to come home. Mom is not going to make it. I mean, she's just, I don't even think she'll make it through the day. I had hung up. From talking to him at 10 a.m. in the morning. She drew her last breath at 10 22 a.m., that same time frame. I don't care how much you say you're prepared for it, you're, you're just not. You can know it, you can be cognizant of the fact they're going to pass, but you just can't be prepared for something like that. And it hit me so hard, I just went hysterical. You know, I was begging her to wake up. I was like, you know, please let, don't let this be the end. And,、uh, sorry. You're okay.、Um, so she had a little chair that sat in her room that we would get her up in when she was strong enough to. And I sat down in that chair and I was holding her hand. You know, I wanted to clean her up before the funeral home got here. Because I didn't want her to suffer that indignity. You know, I just wanted her to be clean and for them to be ready to take her. And、uh, when I mean, I just could not like get a hold of my emotions. And all of a sudden it came to me because I truly believe in angels. I, I really do. And it just came to me in a voice as plain as I'm talking to you in your ear. It said, Why are you crying? She's with me. 
and a complete peace came over me. I mean, I just can't explain it. It surpassed all understanding. A complete and total peace came over me, and I was able to get her ready. I was able to, you know, clean her up and have her ready for them to take, and I was calm throughout the whole process. I mean, I just didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could make it. I suffered really horrible depression afterwards, but it's just that sense of peace and knowing that she was in a better place. Well, fast forward seven years after that, I had gotten married, had a son, and my son can see spirits. My father, who was still living, lived in the same house that I grew up in, the same house my mom passed in. And I never talked a whole lot about my mom to my son because he was small at the time. He was five. He never knew that I called her Nana. I mean, the grandkids called her Nana. He never knew that. He came to me and he said, Mom, he said, I saw your mommy today. And I said, no, you didn't see my mommy. You probably saw the pictures that Papa has hanging on the wall. And he's like, no, Mommy, I saw her in person. And I said, well, what did she look like? And he said, well, she has, you know, she has like mid-length black hair. And my mom had this beautiful blue-black hair. She was a gorgeous woman. And he said, and she had on this, it wasn't pink, but it wasn't purple gown. And that is what we buried my mom in. My son would have had no way of knowing that. The color was mauve. She wanted to be buried in a pinwall set because I actually went to the store and bought it for her while she was still living so she could see it because she, you know, she wanted to see what she was going to be buried in. And I said, well, what did it look like? And he said, well, it kind of had lace and then it had this coat over it and there's these little bitty buttons that went all the way down. My son would have no way of knowing that. She died five years before he was born. Mm-hmm. And he said, she wants you to know that she really loves you and she appreciates what you did for her and that she's really proud of you and I mean I could not believe what I was hearing I just could not believe what he was saying in the same sense he had to have known he had to have been able to see her because none of this information would have been given to him by any of us we didn't talk about that you don't normally just sit around and talk about what somebody was buried in you know and I know I certainly didn't in front of him ever if at all I just don't remember ever talking about anything like that. And he certainly didn't know we called her Nana or the grandkids did. I didn't. I called her mom. But and he said, yeah, he said, Nana wants you to know that she really does love you and appreciates what you did for her. And I mean, I really do believe I mean, I'm not one you have to convince of the paranormal. I've had way too many experiences. But but that to me was just confirmation that she saw what I did for her, and she appreciated it. So how old is your son today? He is 21. Is he still having experiences, or is that something that faded out as he got older? Actually, you know, I used to see him when I was young, but I was brought up in a very strict religious household, and I was told that, no, you're not seeing that. That's just your imagination. So I think as, like, after people tell you that for so long, that fades. I never did discourage him. I was like, well, tell me what you're seeing. You know, are you scared of them? And to this day, yes, he still sees them. You know, isn't it ironic that, and I don't know if, you're, if your mom was one of the ones that said, you know, would tell you that, you know, you're not seeing this, 
But isn't it ironic if, if she was one of the ones that she came back to you afterwards to tell you that she was okay? It wouldn't, it's just... I think I think it's a type of religion we were brought up in because it says that you know you shouldn't mess with anybody anything like on the mystic side. Well, I'm I'm not trying to summon anything. I'm not doing spells or rituals or anything like that and I'm not down on people who do. Don't get me wrong if there's anybody listening that does do that. I'm just saying, you know, I think a lot of people fear what they don't understand. But now my mother in her own right was very, very, not only was she spiritual, but she had premonitions in dreams. And if my mom warned you not to do something or told you not to go somewhere, you better not do it because something always happened. And she she would just go by feeling. And I'm the exact same way. Like me and my son have a very weird connection. Like I can tell when he's doing something wrong, you know, I'll text him and I'll say, you know, stop what you're doing right now or get away from the people you're with, which I'm sure he hates that, <laughs> you know, but he can tell you time after time after time, like things I've told him. And he's like, mom, that's freaky. I mean, you know, we were here, we were doing this or, you know, I realized I shouldn't have been doing this. I know exactly where he's at. Not, you know, in a physical form, like, oh, hey, he's on I-65 or something like that. But I know as far as what he's doing. And my mom had the same connection with a lot of us. So I think sometimes certain gifts are passed along. And I think she suppressed hers because of what she was told for years and years and years. But I think it's just in our bloodline. Because, like, my grandfather used to read tea leaves. You know, and he would read tea leaves, but he wouldn't let my grandmother catch him because my grandmother's like, that's being a witch, you know, <laughs> stop that, you know. But I mean, that's the way my grandfather grew up, though, because his mother was an Oksani Jew and his father was Irish. And the Irish people have a very strong tradition in that. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's very weird. It's It's very bizarre. But like I said, I've always tried to encourage him and he'll and he'll tell you every time he leaves the house. I'm like, you know, follow your gut. And he knows exactly what I mean by that. You know, trust your instinct. Listen to yourself. If you're somewhere you shouldn't be, you're doing something you shouldn't do. Don't do it. You know better. And like he can sense when I'm not feeling my best. Because I'm, I try to be a really positive person. I try to love everybody. But, you know, sometimes people like me get down from time to time, too. You know, so very, very bizarre. I do believe gifts like that run in families. I think everybody has it to a certain extent. I just think it's how much they develop it or choose to develop it. I agree. I agree 100%. My mom and, and myself, we had that same kind of relationship where we you know she always knew if i was up to something wrong and we could kind of communicate you know on some level with each other even you know on days before cell phones and stuff were around where it was always some something that would happen that would let me know oh i need to call home or i need to go home so really cool right you know and i mean like i said like my grandmother i was really close to her too her and my grandfather were just like the second set of parents to me and she came to me before she passed and i told her i said it's it's okay to go cuz i felt like she was coming to say goodbye and i was in the driveway at my house and i parked the car and got out and went in and the phone rang and my great aunt her sister 
told me she's like you know she passed so i think our gifts are given to us for different reasons in different ways like i have a huge heart and i just love people and i want to help people so everybody's gift is different i agree and you do have a huge heart so thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. And I appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll see you really soon because I know you're coming to some of the live events. I know I will be. Thank you, Tammy. Bye. So see, she has connections to her relatives Mm -hmm. and like with her son, just like my mom had with me. Yeah, that's so good. Well, it was a fun episode, guys, and we will see you next week. Bye. Then just says, see you later.